It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you're indeed Locked On Magic. Today is July 17th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossman-Reich. I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Happy to be back with you here on a Tuesday. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd and also check out my Ask Me Anything on the Orlando Magic Reddit page. Uh, Orlando Magic subreddit page, I should say. I had a good time answering questions there. I'll be answering more questions in the coming weeks and days too. So definitely be on the lookout for that. On today's episode, we're going to put a bow on Summer League. I'll talk about my takeaways from Summer League. We talked a little bit about them yesterday on yesterday's show with Ali Cassell and Preston Ellis, who were both in Las Vegas covering Summer League. I got their perspective on the magic and how they looked and and kind of the sights and sounds from Vegas. So I'll add my observations more fully here in the next 20 minutes or so of this show. Before we do that, though, I do want to remind everyone that if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can uh, find us as well as the other great podcasts in the Lockdown Podcast Network on iTunes just by searching Lockdown and the team you're looking for. We're at the MLB All-Star break. If you're looking to catch up on baseball, there's a growing number of MLB teams covered by the Lockdown Podcast Network. So see if your team is one of them by searching Lockdown and the team you're looking for. NFL season's right around the corner. Every NFL team has a Lockdown Podcast. And of course, NBA season never ends. You can check out the Lockdown Podcast. NBA podcast, including Locked On NBA, by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you are looking for. Obviously, Orlando had an interesting summer league. They go two and three on the record sheet. Um, I've had some people say, "Why aren't the Mag- Why didn't the Magic go for wins? Why didn't they try and do well in the tournament? Why they said Isaac and Bamba against the Jazz?" Well, everyone has different goals in the summer league, and I'm not going to begrudge the Magic for wanting to sit their best players um, and, and not really caring about the tournament phase. I mean, frankly, the tournament phase is kind of silly. It, it, it is, it's great that they get you invested in it. I will say that the NBA has done a good job making people invested in what's essentially practice games. And, and, and so, yeah, there might have been some value. And I think if the Magic had beaten the Jazz, um, they might have thrown Isaac and Bamba back in there to try and win this thing. But ultimately, I think the Magic saw what they wanted to see. And I think that's the most important takeaway from this, is that Orlando wanted to see what Jonathan Isaac and Muhammad Bamba could do defensively, especially. Uh, they wanted to see where they were at. They wanted to kind of get a, a, a little bit of a taste of, of what they're capable of doing for this team. And they saw that. And so the number one goal of Summer League is A, to be healthy, and, and, and everyone did that. Except for Isaiah Briscoe, but that, that seems like a, a minor knock. Um, but the main goal is to show that you're making progress, that you're you're taking that next step that you need to to be prepared for the regular season, at least if you're a roster guy. And I think the Orlando Magic did that 
uh, with all their main roster guys, to be honest. I think everyone showed that they're capable of taking that next step. Jonathan Isaac, uh, for as poor as he shot, only 35%, 14, about 14 points per game. Jonathan Isaac looked a lot more comfortable offensively. He looked like he was willing to be on the ball, willing to take shots, willing to drive, willing to attack. Um, and I think Orlando gave him the green light to do that. I think Orlando really encouraged him to, to, to search for his own shot, almost to the detriment of his teammates. And you could kind of see how uncomfortable Isaac was with doing that. And, and, and Isaac's a really great kid, a really humble kid. Um, there, there were moments when he'd pass up open shots to pass it to a teammate who had an open shot too. And so that instinct hasn't gone anywhere. And I think that's really important to note, that Isaac still wants to make the right play. But Orlando wanted him to be the guy, to, to be the leading scorer, which he was, to take more shots than maybe he should. Average about 10 field goal attempts per game, so maybe he could have even taken more. They wanted him to try and create. They wanted him to try and be that guy. And that's not the role he's going to play on the main roster when it comes down, down to it. But having this experience and taking this step forward was still pretty important for Isaac and his development. So, Isaac, I think, showed not everything the Magic wanted to see. I'll, I'll say that. I think the Magic would have liked to see him be a little bit more efficient, maybe take a little bit of a step ahead. But even with all that, Isaac was, on most instances, the best player on the floor. Offensively or defensively, honestly. Yes, the shot wasn't efficient, but he got into a good he got into a good rhythm. He looked like he was figuring it out, that he'd taken a step up from last year where you didn't want him putting the ball on the floor because his, his handle just wasn't tight enough. Or you didn't want him taking contested shots over defenders because you just didn't have trust that he could do it. Isaac was doing that throughout the summer league and doing it surprisingly effectively, not extremely effectively. He still got himself stuck in traps. He... You know, he still made a lot of young player mistakes, mistakes that, that you make when you haven't played at this level long enough. But compared to last year in Summer League, Isaac looked miles better offensively. Uh, and I think that that he really has taken not a whole step up, not like a gigantic step up, but he's taken a big step up to the point where, yeah, you feel confident with him playing on the main roster next season, that, that he's going to be an important piece. And probably the biggest reason why is because of his defense. If watching Jonathan Isaac develop and take another step up offensively was was goal number one of this, this summer league, seeing if the Magic could form a defensive identity or form any kind of identity, even with this summer league roster, was goal number two. And... I think it's safe to say Orlando really established a strong defensive identity. It started with Isaac, to be honest. Isaac was just killer defensively. The job that he did on Jaron Jackson Jr. when the Magic played the Memphis Grizzlies was fantastic. He got matched up with DeAndre Ayton in the third quarter of the loss to the Phoenix Suns and locked him down. Yeah, he still got out muscled a few times, but Isaac held his own. Used his quickness, his quick hands, his length to really stymie and stonewall opponents. No one knew what to do with him. He had five blocks against the Memphis Grizzlies. He averaged nearly three blocks per game. I think it was 2.7 blocks per game. 
And so when you have Isaac doing that, then you add in Muhammad Bamba, who naturally is going to change shots and, and be be a massive force defensively. Really, the only place Bamba struggled was was on some pick-and-roll coverages, which you expect from a rookie. I mean, it, it takes a while for rookies to figure that out. And then you add in Melvin Frazier and Wessel Wundu, who both played really strong defense as well. And you had to make, yeah, probably one of the better defensive teams at Summer League, which is saying something at Summer League where everyone's probably trying to put up numbers. But you had a team that was playing really on a string and, and really committed on the defensive end. And judging by the makeup of this roster, when you look at the Magic's roster, it didn't have a lot of shooters. Brian Angelo Rojas was probably the, the 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 best shooter on the team, and he really struggled from beyond the arc. Briscoe had some nice had some nice shooting as well, but it really felt like the goal and the idea with this Magic team, with this summer league team, was to load up on defense and really focus on that. In fact, I would argue that the Magic's offense looked a little disorganized at times throughout summer league, without a true point guard even. It wasn't like the Magic were killer, um, were killers offensively that way. Um, they weren't designed, I think, to be that be that way. And so, I think really, I mean, success or failure in the summer league was based on whether the team committed defensively, and and you have to say that defensively. The Magic were as good as you could hope. If the Magic played defense like they did in the summer with the main roster, if the main roster commits to playing that kind of defense, even with the, the defensive flaws that we know some of these players have, the Magic will be pretty. Will be okay. Um, I don't know if they'll be playoff good. That offense is, is going to be a struggle, but they'll be okay. They'll they'll have that defensive identity, and and I think really that's the foundation that the Magic wanted to build. And so it looked, it felt like, especially when Bamba and Isaac were in, teams were not going to score against Orlando. It was going to be very difficult to score against Orlando. And they had guys fully committed to playing that end of the floor. Wesawandu struggled a lot on offense. He seemed like he was rushing things. Defensively, he was just, just he was an absolute terror. Melvin Frazier really struggled on offense, could not hit the broadside of a barn. But he destroyed teams defensively. That's the kind of team the Magic are probably hoping to build, or at least the beginnings of what the Magic ultimately want to build. And so that is a really good sign, I think, for Orlando that this defensive identity, this this defensive mentality that, that, that comes from the physical attributes and the natural abilities that the Magic are looking to groom I think that that's really big that it worked out so well at this early stage. Still got a long way to go. It's a different roster. Nikola Vucevic is in Mohamed Bamba. Terrence Ross is a good defender, but not particularly lengthy. Um, but I, I think it's a good sign for Orlando. I think it's a very good sign for, for Orlando the way that they played throughout Summer League on the defensive end. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. 
but there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The other, uh, the other big takeaway, and, and this is certainly a negative and, and one that I've touched on a little bit here, is, is this, this summer league roster was not designed to be a good shooting team. Like I said, uh, Brian Angelo Rojas was probably the best shooter on the summer league team. He shot less than 20% from beyond the arc, really struggled with that. Melvin Frazier shot 38% from beyond the arc in college, but never shot better than 30% before that, before his junior year last year. So he obviously had a lot He's still whether he can make shots or not is is going to depend is going to determine whether he makes it in the NBA. Wesley Wundu's in the same boat. They're very similar players in that regard. Um, Isaiah Briscoe coming out of Kentucky, a lot of questions about his jumper and about and about his point guard skills as well, but mostly about his jumper. He really improved it in his year in his year in Estonia and Russia, uh, but still got a long way to go there as well. And, and, and he had a great summer league with his shooting, but small sample size. And Jonathan Isaac, of course, not a great three-point shooter. Um, still developing on that end. Didn't really take a ton of threes here either. Um, his first shot of summer league was actually a, a three-pointer that missed the rim entirely. Um, Muhammad Bamba, his shooting is well chronicled. It's improving. It's getting better. It looks more comfortable. He's able to hit. A, he was able to hit a couple jumpers and, and certainly a couple threes. Uh, but... It, it, it's not something you rely on. And and so if you're looking, t- and, and Troy Copain struggled from beyond the arc, but but he's a better shooter than people give him credit for. Uh, but he has a penchant, I think, for for taking that step in and taking the long two, which is which is not ideal. No matter how you cut it then, um, Orlando did not have a lot of shooters on this team. And I think that's ultimately why, why they struggled to pull away from opponents, um, struggled to beat Phoenix, for sure, struggle to beat Utah um, and advance in the tournament, if that matters. But, um, but that in that way, this team mirrors what the main roster is going to look like. Um, this is still a Magic team that shot 35% from beyond the arc last year. It was the third or fourth worst mark in the league from beyond the arc, despite that hot start. Aaron Gordon is an improving three-point shooter. He was at 33% last year, uh, but he certainly has a history of struggles from beyond the arc. Nikola Vucevic is an improving three-point shooter, but again, do you really want your center shooting so many three-pointers? Um, he did a better job selectively shooting three-pointers as the year went on. Evan Fournier's a good three-point shooter. DJ Augustin's a good three-point shooter. Terrence Ross had an off year last year when he was healthy. Um, Jonathan Simmons is really streaky. This is not a team full of three-point shooters. This is a team that's, that's still going to struggle to create space and they're going to have to, and teams are going to dare them to beat them from beyond the arc. Um, Orlando figuring out a way to create from beyond the arc is going to be a problem. And the summer league team was a reflection of that. It's not the same, obviously, because it's a different roster. It's it better players. I mean, Evan Fournier does change a lot of things, and I think Aaron Gordon will take another step up in his three-point shooting. I'm sure that's part of his game that that he's working on a lot, but. 
at the same time, this is still a team that you can see the defensive potential. You can see that uh, you can see it in summer league how much defense can feed the offense and make a team look good. But in the half court, if you're not able to hit shots, you're going to fall behind. That's what happened against Phoenix, against a, a good team that was able to crack the Magic's defense. And this league has become this league defense is much harder than offense. And Orlando's again building through defense. It's a thought I'm going to share probably later on this week. The Magic are building through defense again. And that's fine. I I think that's still a a sound philosophy. But the lack of shooting is going to hurt this team. It hurt the Summer League team. It will hurt the main roster team. I don't think that's something that's going to change. But defense will be this team's identity. That's, That's, I think, the number one thing that we can take away from this Summer League. The Magic will be a strong defensive team. That is what Steve Clifford has demanded from his teams with the Charlotte Hornets. That's what he demanded with the Orlando Magic when he was an assistant coach. That's what he's what he's going to demand from them now that he is the team's head coach. You're going to have to play defense. This team is going to win or lose on its defense because the offense is so poor. They're going to try and generate fast break opportunities. And yes, this sounds really, 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 really familiar to what Frank Vogel preached because it's very much the same philosophy. Clifford's probably a little bit uh, uh, just as conservative in many ways, probably a little bit more conservative as far as what he wants the team to do offensively than Vogel Vogel was. Um, But defensively, it's going to be about being solid, keeping your man in front, clogging lanes, challenging, getting out to three-point line. And and again, Orlando seemed to embrace that identity throughout Summer League. They seemed to relish in that opportunity. They seemed to relish playing defense. That's something Frazier talked about on draft night. Wondu played some fantastic defense. Everyone seemed to be willing and able to contribute on the defensive end. But now you got to be able to do it with the main roster. Now the main roster has got to commit to that identity. It's it's what what the Magic built this summer league team to do. It's what they did. Now it's about translating it up, scaling it up in October, getting the guys that weren't on the summer league roster to commit to the defensive identity that the team wants and commit to making it work even when the offense was struggling. Honestly, one of the more impressive things about the Summer League roster was how much they play defense, how committed they stayed to the defensive end, despite the lack of three-point shooting, despite the offense struggling and sputtering at times. I mean, winning certainly helped, but I would argue that the Magic were winning those games more because of the defense they played than because of the offense, which is very, very difficult to do, especially over long periods of time. So this is small sample size, so let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. But... That's certainly, I think, the focus that Orlando is going to have coming out of this 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 summer league is let's build off the foundation defensively that we built with this group and bring it to the main group overall. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And the last thing that I think is important to remember uh, when it comes to Summer League is that this is not the end. Um, I I haven't seen this very much from talking to people, but um, you could certainly... 
have the take, and I'm, I'm not going to say it's wrong. I don't think it is right, but but you know it's certainly a fair take maybe to have that Jonathan Isaac should be a little bit further along. That that he shot only 35. percent He he wasn't efficient. He you know still looked a little bit out of sorts or struggled a little bit in some ways. It's fair to say, but at the same time, I think it's important to remember that summer league is not the end of the summer. Yes, this is the last time that we will see these players on the court in an organized fashion. This is the last time we'll see Jonathan Isaac before summer league or before training camp. This is the last time that we will see Mohamed Bamba and where he's at with his shot. And it's I think it's easy to fall into the trap of saying, okay, this is now what we can expect from them in October. You know, Isaac isn't, you know, maybe this is a fair analysis anyway, but Isaac isn't ready to be a starter. I mean, if you ask, if you ask me, I think he is uh, because of his defense, mostly because he stole, he's the best defensive player on the team, and that is including Mo Bamba. But I, I think it's fair. I mean, I think if if the Magic had to play regular season games tomorrow, I think you could make that argument. I, I think I think that's that that's the case. But the reality is, the Magic don't have to play games tomorrow. And as much work as Isaac put in to getting ready for Summer League to show us what he's done so far in April, May, and June, he now has July, August, and most of September to finish the job. Summer League, for a team like the Magic that didn't make the playoffs, Summer League is not the end. It is the midpoint. If Muhammad Bamba can improve his three-point shot, his shooting, as much as he has since March, April, May, June, three months. If he can improve it in those three months, he's got two and a half more months to get ready for his first season. He may not put on all the muscle that he needs, but banging around with DeAndre Ayton, he knows he needs to put on a little bit more weight probably. He knows what kind of work he has to do to make some jumpers. And that's, that's really big, of course. That's, that's really, really important um, for, for, the, for these guys to remember that what we saw in Summer League is not the finished product. It's in progress still, for sure. Almost, definitely still in progress. Orlando still has a lot that it can and a lot that it will accomplish through internal improvement with this group. It's very possible that the Magic will try and organize once again a get-together in Los Angeles like they did last year and run run through some workouts together and play some pickup. Certainly around Labor Day, players will start trickling back into Orlando They'll play pickup with each other. They'll play. They'll play games against and with each other. Get begin learning each other. Begin hanging out with each other. Begin building those bonds for the regular season. But also continuing to improve their games. I'm not saying expect Jonathan Isaac to be Dirk Nowitzki. Um, you know, with with some of those some of those shots he was taking. I'm not expecting him to be that come October. But I expect him to be a much more improved offensive player. I expect to see another little leap offensively by the time the season starts. Because Isaac, I know, will put in that work. Just like I know Bamba will put in that work. 
Just like I'm certain of Wundu and Frazier and and all the and Copain and Briscoe will take advantage of this time. They won't rest on the success or the perceived success, at least, of their summer league runs. They'll recognize that they can still get better before the games start counting. Overall, I would say Summer League was very encouraging. Overall, I would say the Magic got from Summer League what they wanted to get from Summer League. They saw a group that was willing to commit defensively. They saw a group that was doing the right things and laying that foundation for what Steve Clifford's ultimately going to build. And now the next step is to grow from this. Because Summer League, the results don't matter. The game results don't matter. I, I say that all the time. In fact, I, I've, had, I've had someone tell me, if you're watching too much basketball at Summer League, you're doing it wrong. Now it's about taking that next step and getting ready for October when the games count. And, and I think that's the biggest takeaway to remember is that this is the midpoint. This is, a, this is a checkup, a progress check, and not a final, final summary. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You can, of course, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find us online on Twitter at Locked on Magic, as well as like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic, if that's your preferred method of getting our content. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including what the Orlando Magic didn't accomplish in free agency, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. And of course, follow us on Twitter there, at omagicdaily. I got, I got stung a little bit by the Twitter purge, by the Twitter snap. Um, lost, I think it was 300 followers. So I'm trying to get back up over 13,000. Bots need not apply. So follow us on Twitter at OMagicDaily. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rosenreich. I'll catch you all next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.